0: This morning, I want to take your attention back to the to the first book of jo- uh, the first epistle of John, where we're kind of working our way through that, um, working our way through that little book. And today we're just looking at three or four verses, just three or four verses. That is uh, one, to, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, uh, 16 and 17. All right. Let me say a quick word of prayer and invite our speaker for this morning. morning. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you that your Bible, your word, your scriptures, Lord, is in our language and in our wavelength. Thank you that we can understand and that we can obey and we can respond. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Open our eyes that we would see wonderful things out of your word. If there's anybody whose heart is distracted, conflicted, or there is trouble in the home, there is pain in the heart, if there's anything that is uh, stopping us from, from listening and focusing on you, suspend that for just a moment, Lord, as we, as we engage the Father's heart and then return back to our lives with a greater sense of accomplishment. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Let me begin by asking you a question. Whose desires, whose desires make decisions for your life, small or great? Whose desires makes or make the decisions for your life, for your walk with God, for your, for your daily uh, direction? Who makes those? Because desires want to be gratified. Desires want to be gratified. And desires are a very powerful thing. And when we have a desire, the need of the desire itself is to be gratified. There is no way a desire is just going to come and go. A desire always wants a full outcome. It wants you to listen. It wants you to respond. It's like a nagging child. It's like a two-year-old that's pulling at your, at your apron strings or pulling at your pant or, or, or skirt and saying, mommy, mommy, daddy. You know, it, 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 it keeps nagging you until it, it has its way. Desires want to be gratified. Devotion wants to gratify. Devotion wants to gratify. So, desire and devotion cannot go together. Either you give in to desire or you give in to devotion. What if desires aren't permanent? If you were not sure that something you want, you will want tomorrow, day after, and 10 years from today, would you still desire it or would you reconsider? What if desires were misleading, self-deceptive? What if you thought or knew that your desires were actually not real, that they were taking you off track, that they were discouraging you or distracting you from something greater? If you were to get a hard, truthful look at, at the real side of desire, and where it comes from and what it does to you and how it displaces, distracts, and, uh, and, and, and it, it trips you up. Would you still take desire seriously? My brothers and sisters, we live in a world where everything is driven by desire. Advertisement appeals to desire. Relationships appeal to desire. Money appeals to desire. Uh, indulgences and, and, and pleasures appeal to desire everything has it appeals to desire and if you don't have and i don't have a control if we don't have a clear view if we don't have a grasp on what desire is then we will give in and give up on anything we will give in to anything and give up we will be led astray very easily it's like a bait it's like something we can't uh, it's like a moth to the flame we cannot say no but once we figure out that desires Are a certain way, we figure out the truth about desires Maybe we will reconsider And that is the theme of this morning That is what we want to talk about This morning's subject, this morning's sermon is is entitled Love the Father, not the world Love the Father, not the world And we're in just three verses And I want want to read those verses to you So how do we assess between desire and devotion and what is good for our eternity? Here is verse 15, 16 and 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of the Lord, whoever does does the will of God, abides forever. There's your passage of scripture. We're going to dive into it. So don't worry if you haven't grasped all of it in the very first instant. Let's break it down. First, we have an imperative. It begins with an imperative. And this morning's message, I am talking to believers. I'm talking to those who love God. I'm talking to those who have been to the cross. I'm talking to those who have received the Holy Spirit and are, and are in tune with God and want to go deeper, want to get a grip on life, want to, want to experience victory on a daily basis. The imperative is right there in verse 15. Number one, do not love the world. Do not love the world. If you remember, I picked up on this last week and I I, I gave you a a difference. I gave you a, a, a contrast between love and hate, okay? And God basically wants us to hate the world and love the Father. Jesus wants us to hate the world and love the Father. And I asked the question in my teaser during the week, why would God ask us to hate the world when he loves the world? Because the Bible says God so loved the world. When God loves the world, why is he asking us to hate the world, not to love the world? What's he talking about? Now, obviously, you figured it out. The love of God for the world is for the soul, for those who are made in the image of God, for those who, who, who are bought by God, those who are, are valuable to God. So that's what he's talking about. He wants that everyone should be saved, right? But... When we love the world, we are talking about a whole different aspect. It has something to do with what the world has a grip on us and how we can break that. So he gives in imperative form. That means it is a command. It is not a suggestion. It's not a teaching. It's not something that you can consider. It's not something you can do on weekdays and not on weekends, on weekends, not on weekdays. Do not love the world, period. Number two. Do not love even the things of the world, okay? Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why, why, God, why would you stop us from loving something? Isn't love good? Isn't love good? Love is good. We should all love, we should love anybody, anything, we should accept anybody, anything because love is love. Yeah, right, sure, okay. It begins with an imperative do not love the world nor the things in the world okay so the believers are called to love but the believers are called also not to love and that is a very important thing why because last time we said that love was knowing and sacrificing knowing what it's worth knowing what you've been bought for knowing the investment in your life knowing the promises of God and not sacrificing uh, or rather sacrificing what is, is 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 perishable what is uh temporal for that which is eternal that's love i love you with an everlasting love i love you so i sacrifice i love you so i forgive you because i know that i am forgiven we talked about this last week and i said i don't love uh certain things because i'm not going to waste my time not going to waste my knowledge on that right so he says do not love the world nor the things in the world now he states a truth underline this truth it's a it's a fact it's a truth if anyone loves the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father or the love for the father is not in him the love for the father is not in him what does that mean it means that love for the world and love for the father are incompatible kind of like darkness and light kind of like oil and water they are incompatible you can't love the world also and, can't, and love God also If you love God, you will naturally, more supernaturally, not love the world. If you love the world, you will naturally not love God. One of the two will pull back because they are incompatible. Let's begin again. The imperative, do not love the world. The truth, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let's flip that around. If anyone loves the Father, the love for the world will not be in him. You get that? The love for the world will not exist. It will not have a space in his heart and mind. All right. Now he defines the world because we need to be clear. See, God loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God loves the world. So why shouldn't we love the world? Well, here's the world he's talking about in the context of when he says to us, do not love the world. Verse 16. For all. Who's he talking about? You. He's talking about you and me. For all that is in. Sorry, 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 sorry. Hold on. Back up. For all that is in the world, for all that is in the world, go back to verse 15. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Okay? Now he's talking about those things. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, and then he breaks it down into three areas. The desire of the flesh, that's what you feel. (coughs) The desire of the eyes, that's what you see. And the pride of life, that's what others see. Shall we do that again? The desire of the flesh That's what you feel. The desires of your eyes, that's what you see. And the pride of life, that's what others see. Is not from the Father, but is from the world. It is not from the Father, but is from the world. Then in verse 17, he says, and the world is passing away. If you can underline your Bible, write that down. The world is passing away. Every time you look at the world, every time you love the world, every time you focus on the world, every time you think of the world giving you accolades, giving you recognition, giving you affirmation, giving you praise, giving you recognition, my friend, my brother, my sister. Remember, the world is passing away. The world is passing away. If the world is your biggest fan, your fan is passing away. If the world is your biggest uh, cheerleader, This cheerleader is passing away. If the world is your biggest confidence, it's your biggest certificate, it's your biggest playground for achievement, your world, the world is passing away. Then he ends with this. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's break that down, shall we? Let's break that down. Here's the issue that will rob you of God's best for you. I repeat, here's the issue that will rob you of God's best for you. When God says don't love the world, when God says the love of the Father can't be in you if you love the world, when God says the things of this world are passing away, God will never deprive you of something that is good for you. My friend, my brother, my sister, the one who gave Jesus for you is not going to deprive you of a relationship or a luxury or an enjoyment or an indulgence. He's not going to deprive you of something that's not good, that's not great for you. God doesn't operate like that. So when we understand what robs me of what God's of God's best for me, I take very seriously the, the commands of God. Here's what's robbing you of God's best. Number one, the worldly desires are fading. The worldly desires are fading. How do I explain this? This is the reason why you don't take your three-year-old's demands and you don't take your three-year-old's commands seriously. This is why you don't take your 14-year-old's dreams for life seriously. Because you know, today they're dreaming about being a hockey player, Tomorrow they'll dream about being a pilot and the next year they'll dream about being a uh, being an artist or something like that. You know that their desires are constantly changing. So you don't take that very seriously. That's exactly what God is talking about. He says the worldly desires, the desires for what the world offers, the desires for what the world throws at you, the desires for the, the accolades and the applause of the world, it is a desire that will fade. So when something is going to fade that within you, why would you give credence to it? Why would you give attention to it? Number one, the worldly desires are fading. A second matter that robs you is the worldly desires are selfish. Worldly desires are selfish. They're self-absorbed. They're self-centered. They're self-preservative. And they worship the self. So then he breaks it down into three. In the old version that I grew up learning, we talked about the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that's the old king james version the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life the lust of the eyes is i want what i see i want what i see i want everything that appears in front of me whether it's an advertisement or whether it's something others have or whether it's some whether it's a sign of success Whatever it is, if I see it, I desire it. If I didn't see it, I probably won't desire it. Now you know which one is your desires. If I see it, I desire it. I want what I see. Lust of the flesh. I want as I feel. I want as I feel. If I feel like it, I want it. If it feels good, I want it. If it feels fun, I want it. So we got a desire in what you see you got a desire in what you feel and then you have the pride of life. That is, I want to be seen. The pride of life is wanting to be seen in a certain way by other people. We live, we act, we shop, we invest, we dress, we make up, we do everything in order to be seen in a particular light. We want people to say things, react in certain way, leave certain comments, uh, respond in certain ways so that others will get the sense that we are important. So it is a sense of pride of life. That is a world. Listen, God is saying that is a worldly desire. A worldly desire means something that the world offers you. It's not from heaven. It's not from the father's heart. It's not something that's familiar in heaven. In Heaven, no one is looking to be seen no one is looking to be to be uh, uh, you know appreciated in that sense, but when our heart desire, I want to be seen in this position I want to be seen with this influence I want to be seen with this capacity I want to be seen with this adoration I want people to see me this way and we live for pretension. we live pretentiously we will we live for pretences for first impressions. We want that first impression to be amazing and we even put step on our own family to make sure that our first impressions are brilliant. We get angry with our children because because they, they, they test or risk what others or neighbors or people or school or others think of us. So here's a worldly desire. What are we talking about as believers? We need to recognize like this. We need to recognize like this what is from the father and what is from the world. What is from the Father and what is from the world. If it's from the Father, love it, sacrifice for it. If it's from the world, dump it, don't sacrifice. Don't waste a moment. Don't give away anything for it. It's not worth it. Tomorrow you won't feel the same way or you'll fall, you'll want something else. Number three, worldly desires are deceptive. They are not there to give you. They are there to rob you. What God wants for you, will give to you. What the world wants from you, will take from you. The world will never uh, offer you something they're, not, they're willing to give you. The world will all, always offer something that they want to take back from you. If you get popularity, you'll lose popularity. If you get position, you'll lose position. If you get praise, instantly you'll lose praise. You can only be a star for 15 seconds in the world. Nothing is real. Nothing lasts. So he's saying my friend, my brother, my sister take this seriously it is not the life of the cross it is not the way of the believer it is not the heart of God it is far from the life that is nailed to the cross a slavery to righteousness a desire that he might increase and that we might decrease a willing death to the self A severe craving that Christ be formed in us. Jesus, I want to see more of you in me. I want to see less of me and more of you. A willing death to myself. Not suicide, but sacrifice. A severe craving to see more Jesus, more Jesus, more of you. More of his saving fullness, more of his loving life in me. The undying desire to see Jesus fill me through and through. I want to look in the mirror and see my attitudes should be like Jesus. My words should be. That is the life of a believer. That is the craving of a believer. That's how a believer wants and feels. That's the dreams a believer has. A a believer doesn't wake up having had dreams of, of what the world can offer. Because he knows that the world is fading away. The heart cry of a truly regenerate, revived, resurrected, saved believer. The heart cry of a truly regenerate, revived, resurrected, saved believer. Someone who has seen with spiritual eyes that the flesh is pervasive. It is invasive. It is perverted. It is a dying and the stench of it puts the believer off. It doesn't talk to a dying person. A believer talks to a living person. A believer knows what is corroding. A believer knocks on the surface and says, that's hollow. A believer knocks on the surface and says, I can hear, it's hollow. I'm not going to go for that. If it's not going to last me eternally, I don't want it at all. It is dying and the stench of that dying, that corrosion, that corruption puts a believer off. Because a believer likes life, a believer wants life. He has figured that the world lays shiny marble stones on a grave containing a decaying corpse of a fading life. No God, I don't want that life. I don't want that life. I don't want what that life offers me. I don't want the world the world offers me. I want the world to take what I offer the world but I don't want to take because I know that the the world only appeals to my desires. My desires are indulgent, my desires are selfish and my desires are deceptive and they are passing away. And what is coming from the world is also passing away. Why would I give my life, my attention, my children, my investment, my time and my love to something that is passing away? In conclusion, what is the solution? The solution is love the father. The solution is love the Father. See, let me explain. God wants you to love the Father so that your life has eternal outcome. Some of you are writing. Write this down. God wants you to love the Father. Why? So that your life has eternal outcome. God doesn't want your day to be wasted, your hour to be wasted, your investment to be wasted, your opinion to be wasted, your recognition to be wasted, your your work to be wasted, your, your love to be wasted, your relationships to be wasted. God doesn't want any aspect, not a single moment of your life to be wasted. Why? Because he has given you eternal life. That means while on earth, you have eternal life and everything you do in your eternal life should last for eternity. But if you are drawn away like a like a, a distracted teenager or a distracted two-year-old, if you're drawn away with, by your desires, God would have you know that your desires replace the love for the Father. The love for the world replaces the love for the Father. God wants you to love the Father. Why? So that your life has eternal outcomes. Let me put it simply. If you love the world, are you listening to this? If you love the world, everything about your life, Everything about your life will fade away with it. Wow. Wow. Hang on. If I love the world and I embrace what the world offers, everything about my life will fade away with the world. I'll see my life corrode with it. I'll see my investment, my hard work corrode with it. Do I want that? Even my desires, I'm going to see fade away with it. What you want now, you won't want later. I wish I always wanted What God always wanted. That's what you'll say. So if you love the world, that's what's going to happen. But if you love the Father, everything about your life will last forever. Everything about your life will last forever. What God wants now, He has always wanted and will always want. I hope you get this. Oh my gosh, I hope you get this. What I want now, I didn't want five years ago and I may not want five years from now. But what God wants, he wanted five, 10, 500 years ago and he'll want five, ten, five hundred years from now. God's will doesn't change. Please go back to verse uh, 17. Go back to verse 17. The world is passing away along with its desires. Now, so read with me. But whoever does the will of God, whoever, whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's you. That's you. You will abide forever. Everything about your life will abide forever. God wants the angels and the people in heaven and everyone forever to see your hard work from earth, your ministry, your investment, your love, your sacrifice. He wants all of that to come into heaven with you. He wants you to be able to take it with you. He doesn't want you to stand naked and poor in heaven. He doesn't want you to be standing there like an orphan, left having left everything on earth behind. Everything that made you feel who you are and what you are. He wants you to take it with you. So what God wants now, he has always and will always want. His will is perfect and his will is trustworthy. Here's the problem, my brothers and sisters. His will isn't necessarily what we desire. We desire the world, but we need to be devoted to God. Desire requires gratification devotion wants to gratify so you have to decide who drives your life who drives my life do desires drive my life then I will want to gratify myself does devotion drive my life then I will want to gratify God and when I gratify the will of God which has always been consistent and will always be the same then what I get from having met the will of God, from keeping the will of God, from loving the Father, will remain with me forever. What drives the decisions and directions of your life? It is Jesus, or rather if Jesus is Lord, and if he leads your life, let me tell you about Jesus. If Jesus is Lord and he leads your life, let me tell you about Jesus. John 14 verse 31, of of among many verses, says this, But I do as the Father has commanded me. I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Who was the first one to love the Father? Jesus. Who is he asking you to love the Father? You. So what's he saying? Be like Jesus. Now, do I love the Father? No, I'm driven by my desires. So Jesus, take over me. Jesus, take over me. I don't have a natural bent to loving the father so jesus take over me i don't know what the father's will is so jesus take over me more of you more of him more of his saving fullness see lord take over me less of me more of you jesus he loved the father while on earth jesus he gave up his life for his father jesus he obeyed his father he lived for his father's pleasure everything about him Craved to see a smile on his father's face. Is that my desire? No. That's not my desire. My desire appeals to the world. So I put my desires aside. I know that they are fading. I know that they will fade with the world. And I get devoted to God. That means even in the situation where I don't desire it. I devote it. Even when I don't desire it. I devote it. So much of my life, my believer, my dear brother, my believer, my regenerate sister, my believer, listen to me. Much of the life lived in the spirit will be what you don't want. Sorry to burst your bubble. Much of what you live in, in obedience to God will be not what you feel like, not what you want. But I tell you this, I tell you this. You'll thank yourself for it in eternity. To live for Jesus is to live his life, his will, and his heart. To live for Jesus is not to live like Jesus. It's to live the life of Jesus. So it's either him or you. And that is devotion. That is devotion. A heart that's driven by devotion.